find her. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Well, good morning. Great to see you today. You know, there was an owner of a, of a jewelry store who uh, had some merchandise that she just couldn't seem to move. Uh, some turquoise and some uh, silver Native American uh, jewelry that, man, she tried everything to move this stuff. It just sat on her shelf. And, um, you know, she tried putting it in the center display case, make it very prominent in the store. She, she coached her sales, uh, her sales team to, to push that product, right, and try to get people. And she just was frustrated. And finally, she was getting ready to leave on a trip out of town, and and she, uh, she's like, I, I got to dump this merchandise. I got to get rid of it. So she scribbled a note to the manager who was going to be on in charge while she was gone. And she said, uh, make all these items. And she put X one half, half off. She gets back, every one of them sold. But the amazing thing was, was that her manager had misread her note, her scribbling. And she had thought that she had written, make all these items times two, double. So she doubles the price, and it sells out. You know, the idea is, is that people really didn't understand the value of the jewelry. And they never, trust, they never truly questioned the value of the, of the jewelry. They just assumed that an expensive price tag must translate into valuable and good jewelry. I tell that story to introduce this series we're about ready to jump into for the next couple months. I would say this. We live in a world where price tags have been flipped. Someone has increased the price on things that are not valuable. And we live in a world that is truly upside down in many ways. Now, if you're new here, you're thinking, oh, he's that guy. We're going to start talking about 9-11 conspiracies and who shot JFK and, you know, um, Area 51. That's popular right now, right? You're going to tell me there's some hidden conspiracy in this world that... Um, we need to know about. And I want to share with you, starting today and throughout this series, something where I think the price tag about what life is about 
has been, has been flipped. I believe that the theme of this series, which is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and again, I invite you as we work through this series to read it over and over and over again. Just like you did with James, and I had so many people talk to me about the fact that as they read James, wow, it just came alive to them. Take Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, 11 verses, and just read it over and over. I can guarantee you that if you will open up your heart and mind to what, the, what God himself writing through Paul is saying, that it will become alive to you, that you will begin to internalize what we're going to try to communicate for the next eight weeks. And that is that there is not a secret conspiracy in this world, okay? But there is an underlying, not seen, overlooked, and sometimes totally ignored aspect to this life that's crucial to seeing how you and I can win in this life. Now, before I go any farther, I just want to do a little context with you. Um, you hear that kind of maybe it'll change your frame of thinking a little bit, and I won't be as much that guy. Uh, if you like sports, you'll hear teams that, that win, that end up winning championships, that are consistent winners. They'll talk about this word chemistry, right? You, you hear them all the time. We had good chemistry. It came together. We had good chemistry. You can't measure chemistry. Chemistry is unseen. Good teams block and tackle the same in most regards, but what puts a team over the top often is this thing that the players know very well and the coaches talk about all the time. It's chemistry, right? You can't see that. How do you measure that? That's unseen, right? Communities talk about this word culture. We have a good culture. Well, what is that? Help me understand. Help me measure culture. Help me. What, uh, culture is just, it's something unseen, and yet we know it exists. Workplaces call it morale, right? Morale. Does morale get work done? No, I mean, like, but morale does get work done. When there's, amen, those of you that work in workplaces, if morale is good, productivity increases, correct? How in the world do you, it's unseen, right? You believe in it, you experience it. If you're in a ballpark, you know the word momentum, right? Momentum, it's unseen, yet it is so real. In relationships, it comes down to this one word, love. Love is something that is, that is not necessarily tangible. How does love come to be? How does, we see the tangible effects of love as we see the tangible effects of morale and chemistry and culture. And yet these are unseen, but they are the most powerful forces in the world, are they not? Because you and I live in a tangible world and yet, at the heart of this tangible world, there is something that is powerful going on that is unseen. You know, Napoleon has this thing right now, and excuse me, those of you that are from Napoleon, or those of you that are from not from Napoleon, you don't want to hear about it. 
just teasing. Um, there, it's uh, respect. It's, it's character traits, right? Core values. Where does character come from? It's unseen at first. It starts within you. It's decision-making. It's in your mind and your heart. And it's unseen, the unseen world that is reconciled that then produces the seen choices. Correct? So when I jump into this series, I want you to understand that every day you and I live believing in, trusting, following unseen forces in this world. All right? And what I want to do this over this next eight weeks is introduce you to the most powerful element of the unseen world. I get that when I start to talk about some of this, you're going to have to make a decision. Do I believe this or do I not? There's a lot of people that choose not to believe this, think it's a fairy tale, think it's Disney World, think it's... um. Just a, a, a kind of a made-up crutch. And you're going to have to make a decision to buy into this. And yet what I'm sharing to you is central, core, to the story of the gospel, to the story of God with his creation. It's core to how God works in his creation and what he is trying to accomplish in this world. This is a dominant theme. And so I, I'm asking you to embrace this reality and understand that if you embrace the gospel, if you embrace the Bible, then you must embrace this reality. It's in Ephesians that there's this really important passage that helps us understand what this is and how we win in this. It's Ephesians that Paul has, I mean, he has just written for five chapters this beautiful letter. The Holy Spirit's inspired him to write this beautiful letter about what Christ means to us. Him coming, uh, him working, him dying, him rising from the dead. Uh, what that does in our lives, what that means, we become acquainted with um, the position that we now have in Jesus Christ. As his children, what that all means. The great realities. He says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You know what it is to now have been adopted into the family of God. You can truly entertain what love looks like, how love acts, and how love is experienced. You are familiar now with the experience of forgiveness your mind has been enlightened, and you now have knowledge and understanding. And a constant theme through Ephesians is you have been given a power, a power now that is in you to now be able to live life as God intended for you to live it. You have now been given a power that energizes you, empowers you, it strengthens you. It moves you to now be able to become the person God has always intended for you to be. That's the book of Ephesians. It's about Christ, what he's done for you, who you can become in him, and how that looks and acts and is lived out in this world. It is a beautiful, positive, encouraging, victorious theme all through the book. There is no reason that anybody who is in Christ could ever hang their head, so to speak. 
because of what Christ has done for you, it is an overcoming love that creates in you an overcoming power to experience what Jesus promised is the abundant life. But this is the way he finishes this powerful book. He says these words, finally, probably words you want me to say right now, right? And you guys are a quiet crew today. You can laugh, all right? It's okay. It's okay to laugh in church, right? Some of you, just to be quite honest, want me to say finally and let's go, right? Finally, after all that I've said, the final thing I want you to take away from here, what I want fresh upon your mind as you leave this, as you leave reading this letter and understanding who you are in Christ, finally, it's some weighty words. He says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He reminds them that what they have inside of them is the most powerful thing in the world, the Holy Spirit. He reminds them that that mighty power, he says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. That is mighty power. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be be encouraged, be strengthened. Know who you are, whose you are, and what you have. And be strengthened in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And what he does is he begins to introduce them to the reality that is behind this entire world. The thing that you and I need to know at the heart of what is going on in this world is what he's about ready to explain to us. It's the final thing we need to take with us as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Put on the full armor of God. And that's what we're going to look at for uh, the, the next couple months. What does that mean to put on the full armor of God? He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here we go. Here's what I want really at the heart of simply what I want to introduce to you today and for you to think about. The Bible presents this being called the devil. In our modern world, the devil is a Halloween, a Halloween character. A red suit, two horns, and a pitchfork. That's all it means. That's all it is. And yet, God reveals that you need to understand that the devil is a real being. And because he is real, what he is about is absolutely, it's absolutely relevant to you and to me. I'm asking you to take a step and embrace this spiritual reality. I'm asking you to begin to ask the Lord to reveal to you how significant the reality of the devil is in this world and in your lives.
Some of you are ready for, for somebody, me to have somebody come out and say, boo. See, you're going to have to go with me in this. But you, every day, believe in, live by unseen things all the time. And so what I'm asking you to do is not different than what you already do every day. I'm just asking you to go to the depth of what it means to understand the unseen world. At the core of this unseen world that we live in. It is actually core to who we are as a body, soul, spirit. Here's what the scriptures would say. The Bible tells us there is a real devil. It was Lucifer, the greatest angel. This angel who was called the anointed cherub, the one who sparkled with all the jewels of heaven, the highest being God ever made. This anointed angel, angelic being, wanted to be like God, and in the sin of pride, he's thrown out of heaven. And Revelation would tell us that like a great dragon he fell, and with his tail he swept a third of the angels with him. I want to tell you the number one reason why I believe in the devil is because Jesus believed in the devil. You can't have all of Jesus and not understand that he was all about the reality of the devil. Can't believe in Jesus and not believe in the devil. Jesus believed in the devil. Remember a part of his story at the beginning. There's a whole chapter of him being tempted by the devil. In Matthew chapter 4, he talked about him over and over in his ministry on this earth. Remember that vivid picture of him looking at his beloved apostle Peter and saying, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. The apostles believed in him. Paul talked about him. Peter talked about him. James talked about him. You can't understand the biblical story unless you understand there is a real angelic being called the devil. He tempted Eve at the beginning of our story. He tempts Christ. He perverts God's word. He opposes God's work. He hinders God's, his, his servants and his gospel he snares the wicked. He desires the nations. He's an angel of light. He brings sin into the world. He is now has the whole world lying in his lap, as 1 John 5 would say. This is the one that the scriptures would call the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He's called the God of this age. 52 times he's called Satan, which means adversary. 32 times he's called devil, which means slanderer. He's the old serpent, the great dragon, the roaring lion, the evil one, the tempter, the accuser, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Jesus himself called him a murderer and a liar. If you're going to believe the Bible, then you must believe in the devil. Are you with me? Okay. For some of you, I guess I'm that guy, but that's okay. Because that's what the Bible clearly presents. In fact, Jesus, when he calls us in our daily prayers, pray like this. How does he finish that prayer? 
deliver us from the evil one. And so I'm asking you to go on this ride over the next two months to be, to again, maybe for some of you for the first time, for many of you to once again realize that you and I are in the greatest warfare ever fought. It's the war truly of good and evil, a good and gracious God and an evil adversary, foe, enemy, the devil. And what that means for you and I. And he says, so that you can stand against this devil, he exists, you need to know, and in fact, this devil schemes. This word schemes, it's the word that would be used today for a mountain lion stalking his prey. Right? You read those stories, uh, you know, you watch those shows, I Survived, whatever. And a lot of times it's the story of a mountain lion who carefully and cunningly stalks, tracks, observes, and then pounces at the exact right time with his prey. We are introduced that there is a devil and that he is a formidable foe. And for me today, that's what I want you to grab a hold of because he continues to say this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And here's what I want you to understand. You can't win a battle you don't know you're in. And what has happened is our cultures, the kingdoms of this world, directed by, led by, behind the scenes, moved by this powerful foe who is the prince of this world, who is the god of this age, of this, this earth right now, is he has caused us to fall into the trap, many of us, to not even think about every day what is my formidable foe, the enemy, the mortal enemy of my soul trying to do? How is he trying to rob, kill, and destroy my life? If I were to ask you right now, raise your hand if you've thought about it this week, I'm sure that we would be shocked how little we think about it. And yet it is the most important thing that we could ever know. You and I have a formidable foe. I would say it this way. The biggest challenge you face is not in your relationships. It's not in your finances. It's not in your reputation. It's not even in your health. It's in the fact that you and I wrestle not against flesh and blood. Everybody looking at me a little different now? Do I need to put like a tin hat on and like I'm trying to protect myself from the rays, the government shooting? And I'm just telling you, you live by unseen things every day. You and I need to clue in to the most powerful unseen force this world has ever seen. And that's the adversary of our soul, the devil. 
In fact, when he uses that, we struggle not against flesh and blood. That word wrestle or struggle, it's not, hey, let's have a wrestling match and somebody pins somebody and then we walk away. In the Roman time to have this kind of struggle, this wrestling match was really a wrestling match to the death. This is, <laughs> this is a matter of life and death. We wrestle, we struggle against, not against flesh and blood. And what I want to remind you today is you can't win a battle you don't know you're in. And so to shorten that up is you can't win if you're not aware, if you don't know. Will you embrace today the reality that you have a formidable foe who wants to destroy your life? And that's why Paul says, listen, finally, after everything I've told you, what you need to walk away with, it's Jesus as he's finishing his prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. And um, <clears throat> all those things he finishes and deliver us from the evil one. It's like, hey, go out into this world realizing that you and I are in a a conflict that we didn't ask for it's kind of like a draft that you couldn't duck and everybody got chosen it's just the reality of being human is you are now in a conflict but what we want to spend eight weeks seven weeks showing you is although you have a formidable foe and an enemy that you really uh, will not be able to match up against it's you know it's truly like me getting on the basketball court with LeBron James. What's my shot of winning? Zero. Hey. <laughs> I might throw up a ball and it might go in. Just on the check. I have zero shot. You have zero shot against this enemy. But guess what? The message, the hope, the reality of the gospel is so much greater God does not leave us in this world to fight this foe on our own. And that's what we're going to look at for seven weeks. And I'm expecting that as we walk away from this series, that you and I are going to experience vital spiritual victories in our life. Because you're going to realize a couple things when we walk through this. You're going to realize the fact that you and I have been equipped to win. We have been equipped to win. Put on the whole armor of God. God has a, 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 a equipping, uh, I don't even know what to say. He equips you to win. And in fact, as we finish this, we realize not only does he equip you to win, but he empowers you for victory. There is something that's powerful going on in this unseen world where you and I, who have a foe that we are, we're, we're at his mercy, that the spirit, the mighty power working in us has given us the resources and the ability, the equipping to not only win, but to win in such a way that it makes sense when Romans uh, chapter 8 says that you and I are more than conquerors through him who loves us. 
You know that word more than conquerors? It's the Nike word. It's where Nike gets its word. You know the swoosh? Everybody familiar with Nike? That's the Greek word. That's the same word that's lifted from the scriptures. It's the idea from the scriptures. More than conqueror. In fact, the idea of more than conquerors is we didn't just win on a Hail Mary in the last second. We actually did what Ohio State did to Nebraska last night. And as an Iowa fan, I'm, I'm okay with that because I don't like Nebraska. But in the equipping that God has given you and in the empowerment through his Holy Spirit and the resource of prayer, you and I can be more than conquerors in this battle that we face. And so we want to finish today by allowing music to help our minds and our hearts get to that place where maybe for the first time you realize, oh shoot, I didn't even know I was in a battle. Listen, if you don't know, you can't win. If you don't know the resources you have, you're on your own. You ain't gonna make it. Maybe for the first time today, you need to start embracing that reality. Maybe for some of you, you just need to be reminded. It's so easy, the enemy of our soul who who throws darts at us of lies and doubt and fear and slander, accusing, and he's a master of distraction. And if he can just get us unaware of the battle that we're supposed to be in, we're retreating, we're not winning. Maybe you need to be reminded once again, you know what, maybe my life is looking like this because I'm not winning in this spiritual battle because I'm not using what God has equipped me. So would you start by this morning just singing together these simple words and allow your heart and mind, ask the Lord to create in you an awareness of the spiritual warfare you're in. Would you stand? Would you sing? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Would you just allow the Lord right now? Just begin to creating your heart and mind and awareness that although you are facing the greatest foe that you could ever face, he has equipped you, he is empowering you to win, to win, to win, to win. And your life begins to make sense as you begin to win. Oh, this is why I kept getting tripped up. It was the enemy of my soul who was creating doubt who is lying, who is creating all sorts of fear in my heart and mind. He's a liar, and he's always trying to deceive us. God, open our eyes. Would you continue as we sing?
increasingly aware of the spiritual conflict that we are in if we don't know we can't win because you've given us all sorts of equipment and you've empowered us you've strengthened us and you want us to win daily so Lord I just pray that today as we leave this place that you will create an ever-increasing awareness in our hearts of the conflict we are in and that we would begin to win. We would begin to win through the power of Jesus Christ. Pray these things, Father, in your name. Would you sing one more time as you go? This is how I fight my battles. 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 Father, as we go, may the words that we were reminded of earlier be the refrain of our day every day. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. May that become the theme of our life as we understand how to achieve victory in all areas of our life against our foe. Go with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. This is how I find my